podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to another Ken 7 podcast. And um, it's been a while, but joining me on the line is Sir Kenny and Paul Dalgleish for a chat about all things Liverpool. Um, talking through pre-season, the Norwich game, the Burnley game and a few little things that I've got uh, lined up. But uh, So without further ado, boys, how are you getting on? Very well, Gavin. Thank you. By the way, it does look very sunny in Spain. No. Oh, the light's not working? No. Power cut. <laughs> Listen, let's get into it. Um, Kenny, what, um, just, I don't want to do too much on the Norwich game because it's gone, but what were, you, what were your thoughts about Liverpool's performance in the Norwich game? I think they were very comfortable in the game. Uh, and it's always nice to start the season with no goals against you. They got three games. It had the early to get a wee run out towards the end of the game. Uh, and that will not do any harm. He did fantastically well at, um, at Blackburn last year. And I think the, if they're looking to, or somebody within the, the squad that doesn't play as often as he would like to play, is looking to move on, then he's having a wee look at likes of Harvey Ellie and some of the others to see if they could they could fill the boots that the guys are going to leave. Um, so I think uh, I think all in all it was a it was a successful day. Of course, and off the off the back of um, you know we we had a fairly successful pre season. Um, some um, some decent results, some good performances. Everyone back fit. What um, what did you think, Paul? Did you did you see the the team that he selected? What did you think about the team that he selected on the day? Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, I guess in in pre season, the first first kind of few games, especially after the international tournaments, you never really know what the the first team of the season is going to look like because you never really know who's ready to start the season until you get them back from the international break. So when you see the team, you just kind of presume that there's certain players that aren't quite ready and certain players that have done well in pre-season and earned the spot. Um, but I think it probably take a, you know three or four weeks before we see what Jürgen thinks is his strongest line. Can he just... I, I think, <clears throat> I think the best thing about the pre-season was getting Joe Gomez and... Um, Virgil back and gained Jordan a bit of time to get himself ready as well. And I think it went easy on the ones who were in the international tournament, the Euros or the the American, uh, the Brazilians and we got to the final. But um, I think it was, I, I think that the way it worked out is perfect for them. Having a game on Saturday and then a whole week off, it gives the others who weren't involved as much pre-season, an opportunity to get themselves up to speed. Now it's down to Jürgen to decide who he thinks is the, the furthest forward and who he thinks is best choices. But they're all playing the part. I mean, Thiago's back. That's the first time I've seen him. That's the first time I've seen his name mentioned was this week. I don't know where he's if he's been injured or, or whatever, but if he's coming back into the game, I mean, the size of him... He should be normally the people that size, the smaller guys are the ones who get fitter quicker than the big guys. So the wee fella might have a role to play against Burnley. Uh, do you know the other thing you, you're talking about seeing Virgil back and and um, seeing Virgil back and seeing Joe Gomez? But I think the the other key thing from pre season as well was the amount of players we seem to re sign 
to to new deals because you know sometimes you're, you're clamoring for for players to to come in from the outside and spend money, but it costs money to re-sign players as well. So the the job that Liverpool have done in, in keeping the team together uh, when there's no doubt opportunities for them to go probably somewhere else and earn more, more money in the in the current climate. I thought that was a huge part of the pre-season as well. I think it's difficult when you look at the squad that's there. If you were on the outside looking in and Liverpool approached you to come and play for them, would you be would you be uh, secure? I mean, I know you've got to have belief in yourself, but would you be secure in your own mind that you're going to get a game? Well, it depends who you are, right? But there's not too many that could get into Liverpool's team. <laughs> That's what you I'm know? saying. There's not too many, no. No, uh, but, and it's, it's you know, you look round and you go, okay, well, who would you take? You know, you, you, even the top, top, top ones, you know, look, and I'm not saying we, we I'm not saying we, 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 uh, we would have gone, but even like, you know, Messi becomes available, you know, and, and Messi, the, in my opinion, the best player that's walked the planet. That's my opinion. I'm not. I don't. I'm not getting into an argument now about who's the best ever. It's just my opinion. Uh, it's my my favourite. Um, but I was even looking at this stage of his career, as good as he is, the best player that's ever walked the planet. Does he fit in at Liverpool? You know, you, you and you can go through a lot of the players that have moved, and you think, you know, it's it's because it's not only are they good enough. It's do they do the defensive work? Do, are they the right profile to fit into the team? Um, because what we've also seen at Liverpool is the, the adaptation time that it takes some players to adapt to the, you know, the high intensity running and the, the style of play. We, we've seen players take time to adapt. Um, so it might even be, you might even get surprised with the likes of Minamino this year. You know, the ones that have been here a while and even, even the Thiago's, the ones that have been a season and then coming into the second season. Naby Keita has been a few years. He's never really broke out. Um, so it might be, you know, rather than players from the outside coming in, the, the highlight of the preseason yeah. might be the advancement of the players on the inside uh, adapting. I think and that's perfectly, perfectly feasible, Paul, and it's better to have somebody that's been there a, a year ago than coming in now because that, the new one that come in, Kuati, he's... He's maybe take a little bit of time to settle down and get used to the yeah. the ethos that, that Jurgen has because it'll be different to the one he had at Leipzig. Yeah. So it's better and you've got you've got Joe Gomez, you've got Virgil back, you've got Matip, hopefully he's gonna have a good run. He he's had a few fitness problems in the past as well. So but they've already been there, they've settled in, they know what's yeah. asked, they know what's been asked of them and Jürgen knows what to expect for them. And the other the lad, Kati, might take a, a wee while to settle down. But I think we're well covered everywhere now. Yeah. I think we're yeah, well there's covered. Not, there's not, I don't think there's a desperate need. I don't see a real glaring weakness in the in the team. Um, do you? No. And the thing, it, the thing it is good for Jürgen as well, you see some of the younger boys, I mean, like Curtis has been, Curtis Jones was in last year and go through Hardy Elliott's come back for a great spell at Blackburn Rovers he'll be in the frame somewhere or in and around the bench and Jürgen's got to make his mind up if somebody comes in to buy maybe some of the players that uh, that are on the fringe that maybe look to be moving on somewhere to get some more games is he going to be confident enough to put the youngsters in I think 
he's, he's sizing him up at the moment and he can make that decision if he's asked. So he's preparing himself for them and the need that they have to go or they want to go and he has to and he, he want, he's got an option to sell them or keep them. Yeah. I've got an agenda and you are literally going through the agenda without me asking you the questions. <laughs> so well, you, well, I, well, I have a question for you. Oh, go on. What's your medal for? It's the Premier Swimming. League. It's the Premier League medal, winner's medal. Oh. Mrs. bought me oh. it. I yeah. actually bought me it. It was like a present. So, is it's, it's, it, so when you can't win shit yourself, you <laughs> buy winner's medals of other people that have won stuff. Is that the way it works, Gavin? I know. <laughs> is that it? Is that like the participation trophy? Because you enter the match, you get a, you get a medal. Is that the way it works? Uh, yeah, that's exactly. What was the last thing you what? What was the last medal you won, Gav? I can't remember. The same time as Paul. (laughs) 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 I can't remember, mate. Let's move on anyway. Um, Kenny, (laughs) Mo Salah, 98 goals in 159 Premier League games. Where uh, where do you think that he should be placed among the Premier League elite, the likes of Henri and um, Shearer and, and the guys who've all broke those records? Well, he's getting up there, isn't he? Nobody can uh, can be anything other than totally complimentary about the the service that Mo's given to the football club and the, the result of the goals that he scored and obviously the assists that he makes as well. And he's a fantastic outlet for us. I mean, he's up there, he's up against them, and he's he's a he's a wiry wee guy as well. He's not as if you can easily push him off. If he's he's an opportunity to get in and go, he's he's going to attack you and. Obviously, with, with Alison, he's done it before and he'll do it again. When we're under the course and most days up there himself and it falls to Alison's feet and he pings one of those long balls up and over, the defenders don't know where to go. And the, the passing, that, the long balls, like Virgil getting back in there, he'll be hitting that one for centre-back position on the left side over the full-back's head. And the full-backs are that terrified that they come off more and he actually, they actually give him the space and they give, they give Virgil the space to drop it in and it, invariably they get to his feet so once he gets to his feet up on that other end of the pitch they've got a, they've got a job on to keep him away but he's been a fantastic servant and he deserves the rewards that he's getting through the number of goals and assists This is a massive show I think he might be one of, if not the most underappreciated players in world football. I really do. I think when you look at his actual output, um, you know, when you hear pundits talk about him and you hear, you know, different fans or whatever, that he's not mentioned in the same breath as players that may be a little bit more pleasing on the eye. But if you look at purely the amount of goals that he scores, I, I think he. I think he's genuinely the most underappreciated player in the world um, because if, if you if you because sometimes he gives the ball away if he's combining between the lines or sometimes he, he want, a finish might not be it might look a little bit unorthodox. People, you know, even when you hear people in the media talking about him, he doesn't get the credit he deserves. I don't think, and and I think when I use him as an example because I think it's all to do with his movement what he does without the ball 
I think he, he is absolutely, if you look at Messi and, and Neymar, it's, you know, it's everything they do. Oh, not everything. It, it's a lot more obvious because a lot of what they do is on the ball, although the movement's really, really good. But Salah, for me, is all about his movement. Um, his movement is incredible. His ability to get in behind. And um, as my dad was saying, if teams drop off um, because they're scared of him running behind, then that's where Firmino or Jota can, can get between the lines and, and get the space that he's created. So he's, uh, I think for him, because Mane doesn't, Mane does it, but he come, he started to come a little bit more between the lines. But as my dad said, Mo gives us that outlet and his movement without the ball is top, top level. I, I mean, I, I, you said underappreciated there. I, I almost think it's, we take him for granted. I think he's, he just keeps, no, but, going, going. but if you think, mate, it, no, it's, it's not just like Suarez. If you think about, I, I don't think it's even that we take him for granted. It, it's you know, it, like Suarez. You you think about it, right? You think about it with, with Liverpool fans. Suarez was absolutely idolised, right? Mm-hmm. Idolised. You know, uh, Torres absolutely idolised. In this team, it's more Van Dijk that's mm-hmm. idolised. You know, and, and Van Dijk is a world class player. Am I right in saying that Salah scored more goals than Torres, more goals than Suarez, in, yeah. in the you know better strike rate, but isn't really as revered? I would as, agree uh, with that. I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can see what you're saying completely. Yeah, but I think uh, I think that's a plus in itself. That he doesn't need, to, or doesn't have to be told how good he is. Everybody knows it. And there's only so many times you can say it. If you're a pundit on television, there's only so many things you can say and so many times you can say it. They run out of words. They run out of words. He he won't run out of goals. And if if you're Chelsea, who have just spent 100 million on Lukaku coming back to them, what would they they spend on if they were ever to go for Salah? What would they spend on De Bruyne? How many players have they had that have moved on for Chelsea to other places and then come back in to the Premier League and almost haunted them? Yeah. Their recruitment must be pretty useful, Paul. Because they've picked up three or four beauties and all right, they, they, they never kicked on for them or maybe the manager didn't take yeah. to them or, or whatever. Hazard moved on. That was his choice. But the ones that have come and gone into other Premier League clubs and haunted them, they must, they must, in one hand, say, "Well, at least we've got a great scouting system." But why did it no Why did they no do it for us? Yeah, well, it was blocked, wasn't it? The pathway to the team was blocked, really. Um, but you know, by by experienced players, because if you look at when they came in, um, and you look who was playing in the team and their positions at that time, then it. It was a difficult, Chelsea were a difficult team to get in at that time. Um, and I think, you know, young players are desperate for minutes and, you know, it's probably a little bit of a combination of, of, of a couple of things. Um, but Mo, just going back to Mo Salah, you're talking about how much would they come in for him? Yeah. I mean, the, probably a more, uh, more fitting question would be like, how much does he demand in wages? At Liverpool, oh. you know, where does he fit yeah. in? Where does he fit in at Liverpool? 
you know what what's his value how I mean, what's the value of the amount of goals he scored in 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 terms of wages you know because right. I, it is it is it is but you know there's very there's very few teams in the world that can pay Messi's wages there's very few teams in the world Neymar you know all these guys Liverpool aren't the top spenders when it comes to wages and and is there a point where his output puts him you know, out of Liverpool's price range in terms of wages, because he's he's that he's that elite in terms of his goal scoring. But he's under contract anyway for two or three yeah. years, and there's no even any hint that he's going to be going anywhere. Yeah. There's no there's no indication that Liverpool, as maybe some people would have thought, maybe have sold a couple to try and get some money in to get somebody else, yeah. right, to come in and strengthen up the squad, but. It won't be one of the ones, Paul. It won't be one of the top ones. They've done great business. They've signed them. Yeah. They've signed them on contracts before they were due to finish, and they're all happy to sign because, yeah. as well as being fantastically making fantastic contributions to the club, yeah. they also they also enjoy the club. Yeah, so well, it's a good place to be. And I mean, it's a dream. I mean, if you're a player and you can play for Jurgen Klopp and in front of Liverpool fans every week, I mean, it's your dream, isn't it? Really, when things are going well, it's it's. You know, even even last year, when you know it wasn't it wasn't you know for spells it wasn't it wasn't great for for a while. It was you know there was the the manager was still um, you know still revered. The fan base you know, still, but even though there's not fans in the stadium, there was just a real positivity around Liverpool. You know, the fan base most of the time saying, "Look, we've got no centre backs. It's fine. We'll be back." Um, We'll be back, and and there was a calmness and a complete trust in the manager. Um, no, nobody was ever questioning him, and it, it that must just be an amazing environment to be part of because it's so distracting when you've got the outside influences. You know, people are doubting certain parts. So you're right. I mean, it's why why would you want to be anywhere else at this I moment? It's quite key. The people, the people in the outside passing comment. Yeah, the reason why most of them are passing comment. It's because he can't get a job in football. Yeah. So the people in the football... Well, that, are the that's ones why that I'm get... doing this. That's why oh. I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the people in management, Paul, the people yeah. in management are the ones that are getting stick from the people who have already been in it and some have done not too, uh, too well in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's entitled to their opinion. But one thing about the Liverpool supporters... They're appreciative and they're loyal. And as, as long as they see the loyalty coming back and the effort and the commitment getting out on the pitch, they'll be right beside you. And that's what happened yeah. last year. Yeah. I mean, probably the highlight of the season, last season for me, was Alison Becker's header at West Brom. Oh, amazing. Amazing. I mean, you think amazing. everything that they've been through. And for yeah. me, I'd rather look at the positivity. I yeah. Alison Becker scoring me a header. That was amazing. That was amazing. It's a bit like yours against Wales at Anfield. Remember that one? Yeah, but mine flew in. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we've um, we play Burnley tomorrow. Um, what are your thoughts? The Ginger Mourinho. The Ginger what? Mourinho. Is that what he's called? I think so. Yeah, I sound like him at the moment. Yeah, someone commented yeah. the other day. But um, you've got a beard as well. You know what I mean? He's got a bit of a beard. 
And, and listen, you're, you are actually ginger and you dye your beard as well, so we that could show you. Yeah. At least I've got a choice though, lad. So you could be the uh, ginger Mourinho <laughs> as well, you know what I mean? Who do you want to be, the ginger who? To be honest with you, anything that covers off my face is probably a good ideal, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Burnley tomorrow, Kenny, what, do you, what sort of game do you think that's going to be? That'll be a difficult game. Sean Dyche, over the years, has done a, a great job there. Um they thought they were going to be in a wee bit of trouble when last year, but they might they got themselves out of it quite easily in the end. Uh, so you know what you're going to be up against. You know they're going to be totally committed and won't be too adventurous. It'll be a difficult game for us. And these types of games are always, I think, a wee bit more difficult at the start of the season because the, the players are all fit. They've just got back. They've not had midweek games. They're all fit and willing to chase and Harry and as long as they don't lose a goal then they're quite comfortable in playing that way so no it'll be a difficult game but it's the first game back at a competitive game back at Anfield where the punters are going to be in and I, I bet he's in good voice so that'll help us a great deal as well Are you gutted you're missing it? Yeah Are you? But if, if you're if uh, if you're as bad as if you were a travel agent or if I was a travel agent, there'd be an awful lot of people uh, didn't get the correct flights and the correct dates. So for me, I've only got myself to blame, Gav. Oh, why? You can't is that get a tan. Is that what you can't get a tan in Southport, can you? You can, I look at that. You, I don't know where the t-shirt starts and your face ends. Why? That's red. <laughs> <laughs> So, what I wanted to do, boys, I mean, I've not spoke to you for ages. Um, Paul, you're obviously managing. Kenny, you manage, you both played. I just wanted to have a little chat about pre-season and get some facts about pre-season. Um, so, Paul, how's pre-season changed for your players compared to when you were a player? I think it's it's a debate in football, isn't it? Um, at this point in time there's really varying opinions so when my, my dad played and when I played you, you, you basically they it was you'd go away on holiday and there'd be players that would come back in 15, 20 pounds uh, overweight um, coming back in just from enjoying the enjoying the summer holidays um, and it would be you know players would use pre-season to get fit I think now players keep themselves in shape in the off season as well, and and the you know with international games now and all the players playing, they they really don't get very much time off, so it's very difficult to get out of shape. Um, but we preseason used to be in, in a lot of clubs, and it, it still is at Liverpool, where it would be brutal, um, two sessions a day. Liverpool sometimes do three sessions a day now. Um, and it's about building that theory is about building your fitness, the base of your fitness, um, to stand you in good stead for the season. The counter argument to that at this moment in time is, you know, it, it, it you know, the logic tells you that you shouldn't train players as hard in the first couple of weeks of the season, of preseason, when they're at the least fit. And, the theory is that if you do that, then you are going to get injuries later on in the season because injuries are normally an accumulation of fatigue. So um, 
there is a thought process at this moment in time that you, you should start slow and then gradually build up and build up and build up and build up. Um, and that the theory is that that, that prevents injury. So um, I work on the the second um, uh, option, which is to, to do it gradually. But, you know, there's teams that are a lot more successful than the level I'm working at that do it the way that, that Liverpool do it as well. So um, it's just, if it works, you're right. Kenny, what was pre-season like for you as a player? I mean, what, what were the type of things that you did? Um, well, apart from the obvious running, there was also a lot of time spent with the ball, although you were running after it, trying to get it back or trying to play with it. But the thing that the big change for when we were training, we came in, we were starting a Thursday. So we do morning and afternoon, Friday morning and afternoon, Saturday morning, and then come in on the Monday. And they step they they would step it up for the first couple of days. So it's not unusual to hear something that they did years ago at Liverpool that's coming in evolved now. by saying that you start slightly easier and then build it up. And we used to go through that week, and on the Wednesday of that week, they used to have a thing called the big picture, which was the the A team pitch and the B team pitch. One ran long ways, one went up and down, and that was a that was a running track right around there, and it was all set out in cones and everything. And you just did like you ran two laps three times. And then you, you walked a, 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 a marker to get the next rock run going. And some of the boys just never stopped running. They just ran in. They started off. Their group had finished, but they were still running. And by the time they got to the group, they were starting again to go <laughs> in the second yeah. double header. So yeah. it was all done. It was all, it was all really, really well thought out for us. So that was a Wednesday, and then you play. You'd have a match. Your first real match amongst each other would be in the, the the following Saturday morning, and then we get Saturday afternoon off, and the boys would go to the pub probably. But they get Saturday <laughs> Saturday afternoon off. But the big difference was we used to play games, opposition games. We never played like that's interesting this year. The number of half hour games it was. Mm. Like and you two, think two I think well look, there's a lot more people involved and if there's a lot more people yeah. there that makes common sense that they've all got to get a game haven't they yeah, so well, playing the half hour might be alright I don't know but we used to play we used to play uh, 90 minute matches I think it makes sense because you you know what you want to try and do is build up your minutes gradually so if you if you can do thirty minutes, then forty five, then sixty, seventy five, ninety, then that's a gradual progression. And if you know if somebody can get through thirty, then build them up to forty five, forty fives. So so what it will be, it'll be just the ability to get everybody the right amount of minutes that are needed. Um, and what 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 we would do, Dad, you know, when you'd have a Liverpool team that would play or Celtic, Newcastle, New, whoever, and then you'd have a they used to call it a Liverpool eleven, right? Which yeah. is like the the second team that would go and play somewhere. So say you had a squad of twenty five players, 
the first 11 would go and play in one game. And on the same day, that kind of bottom half would go and play someone else, yeah. at, like an 11, they were called. Um, so they would, they've would they always kind of manipulated the schedule to try and get everybody minutes. But there's just, there's so many people involved in football now that want an opinion. That well, there, there was a game there. Osasuna played Southampton Monday and played, oh no, it was Athletic Bilbao played Southampton Monday and Liverpool the next. Mm-hmm. So they just played 20 odd players and they also, the ones that started on the Saturday didn't start the next day. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. So there's, there's different variations. <laughs> I think the most important thing is you get as many people as fit as you possibly can, can as quickly as you possibly can. Without getting them injured. Yeah. Because well, that, you're always fighting that fine line, aren't you, between uh, getting somebody fit and break and somebody breaking down because most most injuries so basically if you overtrain somebody in pre-season they you might they might that injury might not come out it might not reach breaking point until midway in the season but the the fatigue has been accumulated normally most injuries are an accumulation of fatigue uh, that build up over a gradual period of time you know when I you were talking earlier about people going back 10 and 15 pounds overweight I was going to ask you about this we Is used you know to anyone who did that, apart from myself. <laughs> <laughs> Can't imagine that. We used I to think... come back. They used to get you know the the polythene bag you get for your cleaning bin bag. Your shirt the bin bag. Well, you could use a bin bag, but the polythene the the polythene the see through thing you get for your shirt cleaners. cleaners. Yeah, yeah. Used to wear them for training pre season. But it didn't make any difference. By the time you went home, you drank that much, no no alcohol, but you drank that much, you probably put it back on again. Yeah, yeah. So I came back in one year and I thought, I'm going to make a real effort here. And I got myself down to 10 stone 12. And honestly, God, I couldn't have burst a paper bag. I went, I'm not into this. I said, this is, I'm not supposed to be this way. I better start eating. So I went, I went against it. I don't think it matters what you weigh. I think it matters in your mind how you feel. Right. Well, well, that's it. It's it, to be fair, you can be. I think the psychology of it is huge. You know, if you feel fit and you think you're fit, oh. then that's that's half the battle. There was that thing about. Robbie but do you know the other thing, Dad? Do you know the other thing? You're pro- you like food, so you're probably miserable. What do you mean, rabbit food? You're probably miserable if you're eating rabbit food and not eat your, if you couldn't have your your steak pie and peas. No, you couldn't do that. But I did. I tried it, so it didn't work for me. So that at least I tried it. <laughs> There's that thing that Robbie Fowler always felt more comfortable at a certain weight. Uh, which was a bit heavier than what was recommended because he felt like he could shield the ball better with it, with a bit more bulk. I don't know whether you'd seen that. I remember reading um, that he'd said well, that. Well, Gaza was the same, right? Gaza was yeah. the same. You know, he used to he used to go through phases, and and you know, I always thought he looked best when he was just a little bit more natural. But then you get other guys that they look heavy. And they're nowhere near the players that that they that they they are when they're in they're in shape, you know. So it's, I think everybody's different, and everybody 
know, the mind controls the body. So if, the, if you look good, feel good, play good. Yeah. Paul, is the mental side there, right, for the way, do you think the sports scientists take that into consideration now? Or do they just go, you're five foot ten, you should weigh this, and we're going to get you down to that? Surely they've, more, got to, surely they've got to listen to what the player feels. Well, it's more it's more about percentages, right? So if you're if you're it's about getting down to your body fat needs to be at a certain percentage and um, rather than a certain weight, you know. And what 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 we'll do now is we'll we weigh players before training and after training, not to see how much they weigh, but to see how much fluid they lose in training because obviously we're in a warm environment, so. The players weigh themselves before they go out for training and weigh themselves when they come back in so they, they know how much fluid they have to put back in the bodies before they train the next day. And then obviously when they come back to train the next day, they can weigh themselves and see if they've put that fluid back on. So it's... it's um, the, and the is, that measurement, is that measurement you want before they start? What happens if that drops or goes up overnight? If it goes up, you're not really concerned too much. But if it goes down, then you and it's been a hard session the day before. Then you, you look at that and say, well, maybe they've not rehydrated because that's when you, you know, if you if you if you're not hydrated, um, then that's when that that can affect performance, especially in the, the environments that we play in over here with the heat. Um, I would have thought. I would have thought individuals. I've got to be taking into consideration as well as the rule of thumb that they have. That if you're five ten, you weigh twelve stone, you're okay. So, so listen. We are. I, I was having this conversation yesterday uh, with one of the one of the call. We're looking at something as simple as you, it, the simple answer is not really. Um, but we were even looking at distance covered, um, and we're looking at certain players that are covering more distance than other players. Um, and and we actually had the conversation. This is the bit that annoys sports scientists because you might be running more distance because you're positionally poor uh, or you might be running less distance because you're in the right position all the time. Um, so when you've always got to have contact context in everything you do. You know, if you're, I think, as I said, the... the uh, Every single aspect needs to be considered, not just not just the one perspective. And I think that's that's one of the problems that we have in, in football now. There's so many people involved. There's so many people that want an opinion. Um, but you've got to the, the the Liverpool mantra used to be one voice as a coaching staff. You might disagree behind the door, but you need to have one voice going forward. Uh, and with so many different opinions and so many people with strong opinions. It's really, really difficult to to have one voice. Um, and as a head coach, what you've got to do is you've got to take all those bits of information and then make the right decision based on all the factors we're talking about. But then, obviously, if, if the sports scientist isn't getting what he wants, or the you know whoever the, the the physiotherapist isn't getting what what he wants, then. You know that there, there there is a bit of balance that they need to give as well. They need to understand that. Look, ultimately, the most important thing is the team performing on a Saturday. So you're going to have to give a little bit at times, and everyone's going to have to give a little bit. I mean, I think, I think also they've got to have they've got to have a bit of street sense. 
right? Because when we used to train and they put markers out for us to run, mm. they always put the markers an extra few yards further than what they wanted you to run because they knew you would cut the corner. They knew if it was a circle, well, they're not going to run outside it, are they? They're going to cut inside it. So they made yeah. it that wee bit longer, so they were actually getting exactly what they did. And for me, that was education. They had such an education in the footballing lives, and you knew how the players thought, because that's what they would have done when they were training. There was no too many sports scientists, I don't think, have been in the position that the, the coaches at Liverpool were in, like Ronnie Moran and Joe Fagan, Roy Evans, Shanks, old Bob. They'd all been round the block. And sometimes it helps to have a wee bit of common sense and a wee bit of an education what what actually happens on the training pitch. You can't I, If I was setting something up, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't think that they're going to run the full distance, and I would that, set this. I would set the thing up to make sure that they ran the distance you want them to say. But at the same time, giving them a wee facility within that distance that they could cut a bit off it, but still do exactly what you was what you well, wanted. Yeah, and it, it it probably goes on the 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 other the other piece of it. Dad, to your point, is Ronnie Moran and, and Roy Evans did the preseason as players at Liverpool because what I remember even. You tell me about things that you did in pre-season. And then when I went to Liverpool at 19, we were doing the same things. So yeah. we did, like, we used to call it the envelope. And there was an envelope one where you'd run, uh, like, in a round the outside and then diagonals across the middle. Then you play 77 on the big pitch and then 77 on the little pitch. Um, and, and there was a lot of the things that they did, they'd done for years and years and years. So... Yeah. The other thing that you get is trial and error. So you do a session, you do a session and you go, you, you, you kind of reflect on the session afterwards and go, okay, well, when we do this next time, they would cut the corners. So let's add a little bit more or have the other, what they, or another thing that they would do is they'd have a coach stand in the corner that they were cutting to make I sure they had gone down the coach. Yeah. So yeah. there's, it's just experience. It's just experience that, uh, that you get from, from doing it helps you make it better um, as time goes on. And having such a consistent staff at Liverpool over a long period of time allows you to fine-tune those details. But if you're doing a session for the first time, you don't know how the players are going to cheat. But players always find a way to take shortcuts or cheat. That's just the nature of the game. Of course it is. But they also, they kept a record of every single training session. Whether... Uh, what they did, who did it, anybody missed out. If there was a an injury and there was a recurrence, uh, three or four people getting the same injury, they'd have a look at the the books and say, "What have we done different this year to last year?" And they were they were so educated themselves in those days, and it must they must, people must have taken that on board in, in today's game. They must have. Yeah. Surely there's, a, there's something there for they keep a record of every training session that you do and what yeah. happens in it. Yeah, everything does, everything's, now, everything's now recorded um, and downloaded automatically. Everyone wears the GPS units uh, uh, for training. So, you know, now it, they did it with their eye, which is still, you know, your, eye, your, eye is, your eye is 
more important than the GPS. The GPS just backs up what your eye saw. Uh, because you, you know, the GPS doesn't give you any context. It just gives you raw, raw data. Right. Whereas your eye can tell you that the guy might have been, the guy might have, might be ill. You know, uh, the guy might be ill. So him running, you know, 100 meters at high intensity might have been harder for him than somebody else running 400 meters at high intensity. But unless you can actually see the player, you can't put context on the, on the data. So the eye is always the most important thing. They've got a great excuse now, haven't they? I don't feel very well. I've got COVID. <laughs> no, they don't need to go, oh, my hammy's a bit tighter. So they just go, oh, I don't feel well. I think I've got COVID. Yeah, yeah. Kenny, I just wanted to ask you about in pre-season, you know, when you were a manager, uh, and in particular, young players with reference to Harvey Elliott, you mentioned him before. Have you ever gone into a pre-season and, uh, as a manager and a young player has really surprised you where you've thought, Christ, he's actually an option now. I, and I've got to be a wee bit uh, loyal here. When I went to Newcastle, Paul trained the first pre-season and he was flying. And we just signed the boy who played for France in the World Cup finals, Stéphane Gavors. Mm. And we went to play a pre-season friendly match in Ireland. And after 12 minutes, he went over on his ankle. And Terry Mike was the assistant, Alan Irvin was with And I said, oh, geez, who did we put on now? It's only 12 minutes. They went, put Paul on. I said, I can't put Paul on. He went, he's been flying in training. And I said, I know, but you can't put him on. It looks as if it's favouritism. They said, put him on. I went, all right. So he went on, he scored two. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. It was yeah. it was funny because I, I was actually angry with him because I walked out. You, you know yourself. You know yourself when you you're flying. Uh, I was in a really good, really good. You know, kind of, and and it goes back to the mind. I was in a really good place. You know what I mean? Confident, really good place. Uh, and then I I kind of played against I was one of my heroes, Gaza at Middlesbrough as well. Uh, after that. And I was actually really disappointed because the first game of the season, um, the first game of the season, I wasn't in the squad. You know, I've been involved with the, the first team all all uh, season. And then I wasn't involved at all in the first game. Um, and then uh, I was really happy because after three games, the manager got the sack. So then I got an opportunity later on. <laughs> the manager never lasted three games. Was it two? One. Never. One. No, no, it was Charlton. I think, did you not play Charlton? Was no. it a draw against? First game was at home. For Liverpool at home was a game. Oh, no. Sheffield Wednesday. I did. But I, 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 think, there was, I think Liverpool was the third game because I was on the bench for that after you left. Because Alan oh. Irvine and... and um, Alan Irvine, Terry Mack, Mack, and I think was it Tommy Burns? Was it Tommy Burns with the youth Tommy as well? Burns there, so they they put me in the eighteen, and I remember. So I, you can imagine, I, I, my dad's left me out. Then he's got the emotion of going through. My dad comes in to tell everyone he's been fired, and we're all sitting and going. And obviously for me as well, it was it was hard. You know, you, you're looking. It was a hard moment, and then. Um, 
we'd start training and Alan Irvine would say, look, you're, you're in the squad. Um, and he said to me, he said, look, we were going to start you. Um, but we're going to start, we were thinking about starting, you're going to start Givash, but you're going to come in, you're going to come on at half time. Um, because he can only last 45 minutes or whatever he can last. So I was on the bench against Liverpool, you know, and it's like, I was so excited that I was going to be coming on against Liverpool. And uh, Ruth Hullett was at the game as, uh, you know, he was going to be announced, he was going to take over the week after as the manager. And I think we were getting beat at half-time. And he came down and made three substitutions at half-time. And I wasn't one of them. And uh, I never got the chance to go on. So, And then I was left out of the the, the squad, really, for, for months and months and months. Uh, you never got back in. What? You got back in, didn't you? Because I came to see I got back in, in yeah. Old Trafford. Yeah, yeah, got back in. Got one back one in. One which Michael missed it, didn't I? Missed it. Well, I hit the target. He saved it. Anyways. He so, saved do you know what's funny, though? I should have done a Dav or Suka, you know, when he chipped in. Because I tell you, when uh, it's quite hard to explain, and my dad can tell you, but going through one on one with certain goalkeepers, some of them are, some of them leave a lot more goal open than, than others. Um, and he was one where you go through one on one. You're looking at the goal. You're looking at him, and he's so big, you know, because his shoulders were massive as well. And there wasn't that much of the goal to to look at, to be honest. Um, whereas other times you go through and you're like, it's a goal already because the goalkeepers don't cover much of the goal. But he he was massive, massive when you went through, which was a big one that you went through, Dad. On and you looked and you went, that's a. Uh, was there anyone that you went through on and you thought doesn't leave much of the goal? I think the ones that are more difficult to beat are the ones that stand up longest. Yeah. And I think you find uh, Alison at the moment, for me, is it's as difficult to get one past him as it is anybody else because yeah. he's, he's he's athletic and he's, he's big and he's a presence. And I've he's seen the number of times the number of times that people have been through one-on-one one against him and he saved it. Is numerous by the Shelton used to be good at it. He used to stand up. Uh, no. So if they stand up, just aim for their feet. You've got a better chance. He wasn't the biggest, though, was he? Uh, Shelton. No, but so he, he was. He was Square. quite a big yeah. fella. Yeah. yeah. So going into the season, what are you, Kenny? What do you think about? Liverpool's rivals, the business that they've done in the transfer window, everyone's sort of writing us off. Do you, um, who do you expect the, the strongest challenge to come from? I think it will be the usual suspects. Um, I think you obviously Man City, Chelsea, uh, Man United look strong. Um, I don't know about Arsenal; they're still spending money, so what they're going to end up with. We'll just have to wait and see. I think also it'll be interesting to see how Rafford is at Everton. Uh, but I think it'll be the usual suspects up there at the top. And I think we'll be right in amongst it. I, I mean, I agree. I, I I think the business that Man United done seems very canny. And uh, I'm interested to see how they got on. I think Varane is a, a great signing. Canny? Like... It's a, canny means that canny is signing the likes of Diego Jota or Mo Salah that might not be. You're I, signing Jaden Sancho and Varane. 
you know, you, you, that's not canny. There's no, there's no kind of laptop geniuses digging those guys out of the woodwork. I mean, they're signings, too. They're good signings, but it's not canny, is it? It's obvious signings, really. You know, whereas they, they needed a centre back, they went out and got Varane. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm much happier with you know the way Liverpool do things. Um, you know, I, I would say that Bruno Fernandes. A lot of people were looking at him. Man United took the chance on him. Well, we uh, yeah, Man United took the chance on him, and, and he's been he's been outstanding in terms of numbers. I, I don't think that the business this summer has been canny, Gav. I think it's just been obvious. I think they got into like Jaden Sancho was one that they wanted to bring in. And it almost became like a, it almost became a challenge to bring him in. Whereas Varane, I think, was was what they needed uh, to play alongside Harry yeah. Maguire. Mm. Also, did I say Chelsea? They'll be up. Yeah, yeah, yeah Chelsea will be good. I, I think Chelsea will be good. Yep. Chelsea United. He's, he's done excellent since he's getting in there. The manager, he's done brilliant. Two. Yeah. yeah. But and I tell you, Dad, you know that you can't write off Leicester. You know, Leicester, Leicester keep doing well as well. You know, they 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 keep ticking along. You know, they they nobody really mentioned them last year, and they well, find a way to they found a way to be in amongst it. You know, they beat I know it's only the Charity Shield, but they beat City in the Charity Shield. You know, um, yeah, but I think they're going to be interesting to see if they stick with the pace. It might might favour them, and I've no look as if. What level of team they're playing against at the start of the season, and when they start getting into Champions League games, yeah, how that's going to, what strain that's going to put on the squad, and see how they can survive through that. So, um, I would have thought that they might be up there, but they won't be. They won't be threatening the league. No, and no, I'm not saying they'll threaten the they league, have, but they'll be. They have had a the- great start. They had a great start with winning the beating City one 0 but Paul City were playing some of the kids in the yeah. community shield. They never wasn't the strongest team, mm. and they, they they started slowly last year as well. Just as well, it gave other people a chance. But losing at Tottenham, they weren't enthralling at Tottenham, were they? No. Lost one 0 so I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think City will get themselves together and they'll be up challenging. Let me ask you something. The usual suspects. Let, let me ask you something. They've signed Grealish for £100 million. City are already good. Does Grealish give them £100 million worth of value? Does he Does he make no, them significantly better? I mean, how many points do you think signing Grealish will equate to? I mean, it, I, for me, it seems well, like he's... If if they get to the champ, if they win the Champions League, it's justified. I get that. Yeah, and forget, but no, forget the money. The money's it's only relevant if you can't afford it. Yeah, I suppose so. It's, it's what he brings to the team, and if he brings more success, then yeah, it's, it's been it's been a success for them. Do, but they, do you think he was what they needed? I don't know what they need. Gladiola's got a mind of his own, isn't he? That's why he's been so successful. So he's the one that will know what or if. And you don't know what's going on behind closed doors, Paul. You don't know what 
people are trying to move out or people yeah. are disenchanted. So certainly, if you're going to buy people, as well as buying Grealish to strengthen your own squad, you're weakening Aston Villa, aren't you? Mm. Yeah. Or whoever else was going to sign him. Yeah. yeah. You know, because I, I know it used to be, if you sign a player from someone, it means one of your rivals can't. Um, so that that's there is a little bit of that motivation when you when you're signing players. Um, but I just I look at Man City and I was going, you know, I, I look at them and I'm thinking, if if I was going to spend a hundred million on that team, would I have gone after Grealish? And I might come back to look stupid. He might tear the the Premier League up, but like, he's a good player. But I just I look, you've got uh, Mares, you've got. Um, Raheem Sterling, yeah. you've Foden, you've got uh, you know nice. you can keep going up. Yeah, yeah, you've got uh, De Bruyne as well. That's uh, kind of an attacking player that plays in it. Yeah, you've got you've got well, it's it's more like the. I just I just look and I go, okay, what? Listen, it might be it might only be one of a lot of signings. It sounds like they still want to go after Harry Kane. They might not get him, but. Um, just going to be interesting. I think their I think their squad's lacking in a few positions. To be honest, um, if they want to be if they want to be top top uh, Champions League winners, Premier League winners level, um, I still think they're gonna they're obviously going to compete. They're, they're brilliant based upon kind of the years that have gone by, but I do think there is weaknesses in their squad that they need to fill before kind of the transfer window closes. Interesting. Well, listen, before I, I let you go, uh, Kenny, obviously it was 44 years a couple of weeks ago since you uh, you signed for Liverpool. And I've um, I've got something to show you. I don't know whether you've, uh, you've seen this recently, but can you see that now? Yes, that was my first day's training. His new teammates for the first time, when even the respect which a record-breaking £440,000 fee day? brings didn't shelter him from his colleague's wit. <laughs> so Dalgleish has left one club with strong European traditions to try and help another sustain theirs. You and England use up the same wiggle. The only reason I was wanting to move is for sake of ambition. And uh, I'm, as you say, I'm delighted to join Liverpool in just a little bit. Get a lot of success here. And what about the biggest differences that you might find? There seems in Scotland to be that little gap after Glasgow. Do you remember about that day, Kenny? Was that the first day of training? Uh, whereas down here, there are 20 yeah. good teams in the first division, aren't there? First day of training. I mean, I've never done any experience, so I've the English first division. Very happy, aren't you? Look, I don't think I'll be able to pass judgment. Very happy, look at that. Every time Rangers or Celtic play the team, it was like a cup final for our side. Truly, it was, although it may not have been a high standard. In, in as much that uh, the tax would have only, the money would have gone to the government. <laughs> and uh, I'm like any other professional manager. Players is what it's all about. And uh, the money was there available from Kevin. No one said anything when they stole, the, the, well, they didn't steal him, they paid for him. But uh, they took him away. There was, no, there was no cry from this side of the country, like, about them taking our player. So that money was available and uh, the board instructed me to uh, try and get the best. And this is what I think in Kenny, uh, 
I've got to get the best. I'm hoping so anyway. They talk about this, he can do that, he can go both ways and he can finish, he can read the game. And uh, this all adds up to good players and I like good players in my side. And I think the more good players you get, the better chance you have of winning something. And yet another start to the season, Bob, opens at Wembley in the Charity Shield. I like to get in the charity shields and that, but the results are not of importance as long as we perform and entertain and that. But the result of the charity shield means nothing to me as long as someone would say, well, you'll be in it next year and then you know what you've got then. Brilliant. Well, how does that make you feel looking back at that footage? I didn't recognise myself. I didn't realise it. No, I changed that much, Gav, you know what I mean? Shorter hair and but I think that must have been when it was 10 stone 12. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant memories, though. You know, with starting training and Bob Paisley and all those guys there. It must have been incredible times. Aye. And I think I caused a bit of a stir, a, a stir because we were playing five at sides and Tommy Smith came into tackle and I nutmegged them. And all I could hear the rest of the rules going, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> But you never did that again. I wouldn't have got the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Boys, thanks very much for your time. Um, All right. Appreciate it. And, um, and, and yeah, thanks, Alan. And congratulations on the medal. Cheers. Well yeah. deserved, mate. Well you're deserved, not, mate. Well deserved. Really proud of you, mate. Yeah, my, it's, a, it's a present from my daughter, by the way. So, you know. Yeah. No, still, yeah, it don't make me feel bad. I don't have feelings. <laughs> she <laughs> must have thought here, is it chocolate? <laughs> Kevin, is it a chocolate one you can eat? It's not chocolate, no. No. Okay. Well, yeah, all right, Premier I'll League you, winner. I'll go. need to run. I'm on the tea. All right, well, listen. See you later. Gavin, thanks See very you. much. Pedro. Bye bye. Bye, 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 bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.